Honest to God series with Anne Gail Rose and Ahanu. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to our show this morning on this beautiful Saturday morning in San Diego. It wasn't beautiful yesterday, though, Ahanu. It was like almost 100 degrees where we were, and that is just too boiling for us. But today it is beautifully cool this morning. And I don't think it's because the sun is actually through the clouds yet. As is normal in San Diego, the sun has to burn off that marine layer before we actually feel it. So we'll start to feel it probably around 10 o'clock, I'd say, wouldn't you, Hannah? And then it does start getting hot. And my Irish skin and my Irish temperament is not used to this intense heat and uh, it is indeed we got a report from a very good friend of ours from the west coast of ireland in beautiful county donegal the other day and he said they are having a heat wave there in ireland now that is just that's rare first of all but secondly for the irish people to complain about good weather in ireland did he say he was sweating he was sweating i could actually (laughs) see him on the skype video i could see him and he was actually sweating and that is such a rarity but talking about the heat, we're going to turn the heat on ourselves today because we have a very unusual program for you today. We have no guest, but ourselves, we are celebrating our 64th episode of the Honest to God series. And really, we have not talked about ourselves very much in all of those episodes. We've interviewed some fantastic guests and some of them we want to talk about them today. But very few people know anything about us, Angelos. And I'd like to let people know who we are and what we do. And then we'll get into the meat of our discussion today, which is about forgiveness, children, ghosts, guidance. We'll talk about mediocrity. And we might do a little planetary update at the end. We'll see how we go for time. I come from Ireland, as many of you know. And Angel Rose is from upstate New York. We are authors, artists, speakers researchers. We are Alliance of Divine Love Ministers, radio hosts, of course, and spiritual teachers. And individually, and as a twin flame husband and wife team, we've helped countless people all over the world grow in spiritual power and self-mastery through our simple honest-to-God series of self-mastery products and programs, which you can find on our websites, various of them, angelrose.com, worldofempowerment.com, and numerous others. Now, many of you will not have known that we founded Holistic Ireland, the World of Empowerment Organization, the Spirit of Love Project, the Eight Steps to Freedom Program, and various others. And between us, we've combined over 50 years of metaphysical and psychic experience, and we've worked throughout the United States and Ireland. Angel Rose is a master tarot teacher. She's an authority on the Akashic Records and holds certifications in psychic laser therapy, Katara healing, soul retrieval, Reiki, cellular repatterning, and the list goes on and on and on and on. And we have held some absolutely wonderful workshops in manifesting, self-healing, working with homeopathic color remedies, and beginning through advanced tarot and healing with the tarot. These are just amazing things. Visionary art, we've done some amazing workshops with visionary art and more. Now, many of you, of course, will know our well-known metaphysical e-books that have been published on Amazon Kindle. If you were to go on Amazon and search for Ahanu, that's me, A-H-O-N-U, or Angel Rose, 
And let me clear the spelling of that. Angel is the Irish word for angel. A-I-N-G-E-A-L-R-O-S-E. If you're to search for any of those on Amazon Kindle, you'll find a growing number of little e-books that we've done on various metaphysical subjects. And of course, our websites showcase Angel Rose's beautiful handmade fairies. Now, these fairies, Maybe we squeeze in a little bit about them because you love to make them. And she's converted the garage into a little production area where she produces these most amazing fairies. But before we get to that, I want to tell you that I have a portfolio also on Amazon.com of the first of book one, actually, of the first 200 pictures that I've done in the Spirit Art series. And they're available also on Fine Art America. And Gay Rose has a publishing contract for a series of 10 spiritual stroke metaphysical books based on the transcripts from the Akashic Records. And the first of those books was launched in September 2012 entitled A Time of Change. And you can find out more information about that on atimeofchange.info. That's all one word, atimeofchange.info. Her second book, The Nature of Reality, is available for pre-order at thenatureofreality.info. And that's also one word, the nature of reality dot info. And you can pre order that on Amazon.com or that website, the nature of reality dot info. Now if you wanted to arrange an interview, a book signing, a speaking engagement, or if you wanted to book a work workshop of any kind, or a house party, or a spirit of love painting, or an Akashic record reading, our contact details are easy. It's 224-588-8026 is the telephone number or angelrose at angelrose.com. Now, Angelrose, I want you to give us a little bit of feedback on what I've just said because I know you do not like to talk about yourself, but there's actually a beautiful, wide-ranging repertoire of abilities and skills that you have amassed over the years. And it is through this form of the Honest to God series that we like to give that back to you. Well, honey, you caught me completely off guard with this this morning. I didn't expect this at all. You know, my journey has been a long one, like a lot of people in this field today. You know, you start out where something triggers you into starting to explore a spiritual path. You know, everybody has their own unique way that that happened. Mine happened when I was very young, around 20, 19 or 20. And, uh, you know, as, as many of you already know, I had someone close to me pass away at that age very tragically. And uh, so I started wanting to know what happens after death and how to contact this person and if I could and where was he. And, um, you know, they kind of got me exploring. And I went to my very first psychic. Up until that point, I didn't know anything about psychic fairs or anything like that. So I went to my very first uh, psychic fair, and there was a lot of readers there, I remember. must have been about 100. This was back in Syracuse, New York, when I lived in upstate New York. And I just asked somebody at the door who was good, and they they pointed me to this woman. And um, I went to her and started asking her some questions, and turned out she was became my very first uh, official teacher. And um, back then, we weren't charging large amounts of money for things. She would let me come once a week for two hours, and I paid her three hours. 
and she let me ask any kinds of metaphysical questions I wanted, and she was very skilled and had a whole lot of knowledge. So she actually set a really good foundation for me, luckily. Luckily, she was very grounded. She wasn't often in a, she wasn't a channeler. She wasn't into any sort of crazy stuff. So, you know, I went on to, I moved around a lot my whole life, even when we were growing up, and I continued to move around a lot. Uh, after uh, that particular person died. So I stopped, you know, I didn't have access to my teacher in the way that I did earlier, but I taught myself tarot. I was fascinated with the cards. I practiced, I read books. I, you know, started doing clients, started doing psychic fairs. uh, But I was also interested in anything that had to do with the mind and consciousness. That seemed to be my, my real passion. Um, anything that where people were talking about that you could uh, that you created your reality that your thoughts had everything to do with what you experienced uh, what from that to I got into rebirthing I got into the course of miracles um, lots of meditating along the way lots of journeys to other dimensions lots of you know past life memories started to occur. Well, things like that. I didn't get interested in the healing work until later. And then um, I gave a list of a lot of modalities that I've learned over the years. And they, they all seem to evolve naturally, you know, as you as you grow and you get attracted to different things and somebody new comes out with different uh, modalities to learn. So I, I was an energy therapist for many years. And I taught classes on uh, transformational writing and exploring yourself and knowing yourself, I really got into examining the content of my thoughts, uh, which to me is just an invaluable thing. Many people hear me always talking about journaling, whether it's in this show or on Sunday mornings, as a way to really find out and discover what's underneath the surface of your own thoughts. And that continues to this day, although I will admit I've gotten a bit lazy about it. So, yeah, I do have a long history, but the thing is, is about self-awareness and growth is you never get done. Uh, You'll always come up against more questions of source and of yourself and of life and the world, Uh, especially now when things are uh, seemingly so crazy out there. And um, so I don't know that you ever re- you ever really get done on you know unraveling the mystery of ourselves or knowing ourselves. And uh, we've just listened to someone last night. I this the show today isn't about this person we were listening to last night, but um, the discussion that this gentleman was expressing on YouTube has brought up a whole new set of questions for me and they they center around you know what we believe in terms of even the history of our world this particular fellow was talking about the history of our planet and he was also claiming to be able to access the akashic records and um, he seemed to be finding through the records that a lot of the channeled information that has come through to our planet is a huge deception. And um, 
and that even uh, the stuff that Zechariah Fishkin discovered, those tablets were actually set up on purpose to create a story of creation that wasn't true. And the thing is, why I'm mentioning this this morning is because I remember back in my 30s when I was uh, living in Delaware and, um, you know, I've always been felt very close to the personage of Jesus, you know, being raised Catholic and all of that. But I did come to a place where I got very frustrated because I realized that there was no way I could know the true history of Jesus, that no one has found any books that Jesus himself wrote. Uh, He's quoted um, many years after the fact. And so I, I got real frustrated because I realized that I had set up my whole life up until that point, you know, to model myself after a person who I couldn't prove uh, who he was. I mean, I, yeah, I listened to all the stories through the religions. I was told all this. But the truth is, is, is I only knew him internally uh, as a loving presence. But the truth is, is I, I couldn't prove the history. And in a way that crashed me a bit because the realization that I had set up 30 years of my life to be like someone that I didn't even know the history of uh, was kind of shocking, to be honest, because it made me wonder who would I be if I wasn't trying to do that, you know? And um, so that was my first kind of crash in terms of seeing how you build an identity based on what somebody tells you, and then all of a sudden you realize that, well, who am I? Who am I as an independent person? You know, I'm trying to be like this other model, but is that really who I am? Is that really who I was meant to, to do and follow? So this gentleman, fast forwarding now, this gentleman last night brought up more of the same for me because I felt like I had gone past the whole Jesus thing and um, still had no problem, by the way, with acknowledging uh, that loving presence as Jesus. But I'm talking about the historical history I couldn't prove. But here's this guy now coming forward and saying that a lot of the the things that we believe are true of our planetary history uh, may not be true. And that really, you know, I was actually woke up at quarter to six this morning thinking about this and also thinking about some ghosts that we recently just saw this weekend, which we will talk about. And uh, so now I'm back to the questioning, like, what, why do I think I believe what I believe about the history of the planet? And it left, it's left me with this, you know, what do you really know to be true kind of a feeling. And um, so I, I'm just there right now. And, and, of course, I'll be contemplating that and exploring that within my own being now. But this man certainly brought up a lot of questions. And I'm making this point this morning because many people don't ever ask questions, you know, I've been asked over the years, 
by a lot of people how I how I became psychic. How do I have these abilities? And I've always told them uh, I was not born with them active. I'm not somebody. I'm not like these crystal children who wake up, you know, come in remembering their past lives. I wasn't like that. A lot of this occurred through journaling, through questioning my beliefs, through self-inquiry, through, you know, looking at my own emotions and my feelings. So now I'm I'm at this place. I'm going to go back and listen to this gentleman again. And and we only heard the first uh, interview last night because it was late. But... I'm going to listen to him very carefully because there were certain things he said that struck a chord with me, uh, others that made me go, hmm, that's interesting. So the thing is, is it really points to um, a fear. It actually has made me feel fearful. And this fearful comes from the fact that it kind of knocked me again off a preconceived idea of what I think our history is. And it's interesting how much of our identity does get connected to what we're told to believe or what somebody says is true. And then when someone takes that away and suddenly tells you it isn't true, you know, you kind of find yourself floundering around saying, well, you know, you're you're trying to locate yourself in relationship to you know, something that may not exist. And so you're always brought back to your own inner presence once again, you know. And um, and and this is where I think a lot of us are not stable, is in our connection to our own inner presence. Because I know when I'm really strong in that inner presence, anybody can say anything, and it doesn't bother me. I just say, well, you know, whatever, whatever's coming out next, you know. But uh, this has rattled me a bit, and probably because I am a reader of the records, and I I do find myself uh, comparing some of what this gentleman is saying to what I've received, uh, which a lot of it is similar, but he's got details that I don't have, only because I haven't asked. But, you know, this this is a time period where a lot has... A lot is being exposed. A lot of rugs are being pulled out, pulled out underneath us. Uh, you know, we're finding fraud everywhere, deception everywhere, corruption everywhere. Uh, new channel stuff that comes in, which you know, I look at it and I go, "Boy, is that ever uh, manipulative?" And people don't recognize it because it sounds so nice. But you know, there's there's a lot going on here that are is challenging um, truth. And, um, you know, so I, I just think we're, we're in a really precarious place. And it's, it is the reason why it seems to me that it's so important that we learn to know ourselves and we learn to find out about our own individual spirit, which is functioning right now on this earth through, this, through these bodies. Uh, it has beliefs. It has conclusions. Uh, it does determine the quality of our future, whatever it is we're putting out there energetically. And it, it is the reason, Ahana, I'm going to turn this over to you, why we have the guests on that we have. Because they are 
they are challenging guests sometimes, and their topics are challenging. And it, it, they hit core truths that are like so deep that people don't want to look at them. But yet, we need to look at them. And, you know, so this is my introduction this morning. Well, you cover some very important points there, and one of the ones that struck a chord with me was when you were talking about how we're influenced and how we're influenced by our teachers. Now, we did see on YouTube very recently a, 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 a clip about a teacher who was teaching a classroom of children, and basically she changed the children's attitude about racism in a space of two days. But it was very interesting the way she did it. She basically uh, asked them, you know, is it true that um, black people are less than us? Yes, yes, Miss, Miss. Uh, is it, it was true? an old video. It was an old video, yes. Yeah. I think it was perhaps in the 1950s, maybe. Yeah, 60s. I think so. Yeah. And that's only a judgment by the hairstyle and the clothes they were wearing. It's hard the to know. Quality of the film. Yeah. So she asked them, uh, is it true that uh, they don't eat in the same restaurants as us? That's true, miss. Is it true that they're, they, they don't think as, as fast as we do? That's true, miss, and so on. Basically, establishing, first of all, what they've been brought up to believe by their own families. And once you get established then what their beliefs were about blacks and yellow people and, and various other people who were different, different religions, she went through all the religions, you know, that other religions were less than us and blah, 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 and so on. Then she basically said, if that's true, then, you know, the ones with blue eyes are different than the ones in this classroom who have brown eyes. And she set up a little scenario by way of teaching them a lesson to say that, well, it seems that the ones with brown eyes are, are dumber and the ones with brown eyes are less than. So the ones with brown eyes in this classroom are not allowed to play on the playground equipment. You're not allowed to uh, have extra food at the at the uh, lunch table, and so on, and basically marginalized the ones with brown eyes. Now, what was really interesting was the camera focused in, yeah, just for that day, but the camera focused in on the attitudes of the children and their attitude towards each other and how they behaved because suddenly they felt that their former friends were somehow less than or unequal in some way. Or perhaps the brown eyes looking at the blue eyes were saying, these people are better than me, therefore I'm hopeless, I'm useless, I'm no good. And these things start to get reinforced in the children. Now the next day, of course, she flipped the coin and she said, oh, I, I made a mistake. Uh, it's actually the people with blue eyes who are superior. They're, no, the, are, brown eyes. Yeah, the brown eyes are superior and uh, you're better, more clever. And so the ones with the blue eyes today can't have the extra food. You can't play on the, the playground equipment. You can't, uh, and so on. Various, various restrictions. Now, the attitude of the children completely changed. On the third day, she, she cleared the whole, the decks. And basically, they all realized how foolish they had been in believing that just because a person had a different colored skin or different colored eyes or believed in something different than you did, that they were somehow less. And it really, really did change. It was a marvelous exercise. But I want to go on to talk about that in our, the bigger world. I'm going to hand the mic back to Angie Rose in a moment. But I just wanted to comment on that there, Beth. That was a great, great YouTube video. And part of the reason <clears throat> was how quickly the children turned on their friends. The ones, you know, with a different eye color, they were teasing them, mocking them, 
calling them names, calling them stupid, just mm. in a matter of a day. Mm. And and it was we were sitting there watching this, thinking how impressionable yes. people really are, just because an authority figure said something. And uh, that's that's the comment. Yeah, that's a critical point because when we talk about what we believe, whether it's about our planetary history or whether it's about who we are and why we're here and where we're going, or whether it's about your your job, your wife, your husband, your children, anything. The time is up for us to question all that and question what's been handed down to us by way of what we've been told. And we did this quite some time back when we developed the Eight Steps to Freedom. And we, one of the first questions in that was, who owns us? Remember we went through who owns us? And we found out that some famous person, I've forgotten the, the name of the person who said it now, but they said, to find out who owns you, ask who is it that you are not allowed to criticize. Yeah, that's right. And whether that's your, your mother, your father, your teacher, your priest, your bank manager, your, your government, whoever it is, if you can't criticize them, they own you. Now, that's a really, really interesting point, especially in this day and age when we're talking about governments snooping on our emails and snooping on our conversations and so on. And, you know, and, and Snowden. And Snowden, and of course. And Snowden, who's, who's yeah. you know, because he came out and told the truth about how we're being spied on, is now, you know, running for his life. Marginalizing, running for his that's life. Right. Indeed, yeah. So we wanted to touch on this because... We, we mentioned we were going to cover about children. Now, what sparked a lot of this, of course, is our seven-year-old granddaughter. And what's exciting about this, though, is that she's displaying qualities and abilities uh, that are very psychic. And that's all well and good and marvelous. But the thing that we're cautious about is her desire to contact spirits and so on. And what we say to people is, be careful about this kind of thing simply because there's so much unknown and there's so much that's been told to us that we are led to believe that may or may not be true. So this is something that you need to bounce off your own inner self and bounce off your own, all the aspects of yourself to see, does it resonate? Is it, is, does it feel true? Does it feel right? Is it right to teach people about this kind of thing when you don't really know yourself what's going on? Yeah, and, and Hannah's talking particularly uh, about seances, and this is this is we'll give you a little bit of history. We we live in San Diego, so we my daughter asked, did we want to go see Old Town, which is a section of San Diego that's uh, still all the buildings are still like they were back in the 1800s, and so uh, yeah, we said sure, we'll we'll go see Old Town. And in Old Town, uh, the people in all the shops dressed up in period clothing, but there's a house that is known to be uh, one of the most haunted in America. It's called the Whaley House. And uh, so, of course, we asked how much was it to go in, and it was late in the day, so we chose not to go in. But Ahana was carrying our granddaughter piggyback, and we went around the back of the house, and there was one little door that was open. And the two of them, at the same time, uh, Ahanu and my granddaughter, saw this ghost uh, just go by. It was a woman, and they both described this woman exactly the same. Um, 
so my granddaughter became extremely fascinated with this. And she begged us and begged us to take her in the house, and and we wouldn't do it. So when we got home, um, she wanted to look it up on the Internet and see the history of the house. And uh, it's got some gruesome history. It's got a, a big history, actually. There's a lot that went on there. But what he's speaking of is that um, in some of the videos, there were ghost hunters that had gone in the home and um, tried to contact the spirits of the people who were there. And Of course, she wanted to go do that right away, and that's what he was talking about. And she asked me, and I told her no, and she asked the Hano, and he told her no, and she couldn't understand why. And this is the thing, you know, in all my metaphysical, metaphysical experience, there's certain things that I've always been felt very strongly not to do. And one of them was to use a Ouija board, and the other was to, to do a seance, okay? And the thing is, is especially now, especially now because we do know that there are more entities around than ever before and serious entities in the sense of what they're trying to do to disarm us and take us, uh, take us in the wrong direction. So we're mentioning this with children because there is a huge movement going on now with monsters, not monsters, but let's say vampires and zombies, and the dolls are being made to look like vampires and zombies, and the cartoons are like that, and people are just accepting this as the next fad and nothing wrong with it. But you see, being in this field for so many years, I know very well what vampire energy feels like. I know what zombie energy feels like. And, you know, this is where we get concerned because we we look at parents that, you know, say yes to these things for their children and, and even Ouija boards and think they're fun. And, you know, Ouija board is a Ouija board is a Ouija board. And I don't care if it's got a different name that sounds like an angel board, okay, or anything like that. But... What happens is that you open portals with these things and all sorts of things can talk to you. And I've seen things come through where people think that they're, oh, my God, this is St. Teresa, this is great. And, you know, the information is clearly from a demonic presence, but they they don't believe it because it says it's St. Teresa. So there's there's really a lot to really be aware of. And I think the point is, is when you start to get more clear and you start to wake up and you do some of self-inquiry, you get very sensitive uh, to energies. And something you just know doesn't feel good, is not right, is not kosher. And uh, so, you know, with my granddaughter, she's fascinated with this stuff and um, she's obviously psychic because here she sees this ghost along with the Hanu at the same time. And... um, you know, I had to put the brakes on. So, you know, she'll go home and try to get her folks to do it probably. They they probably won't. They're not into it. But the thing is, is these things are, are really dangerous. And people do need to be really, really discriminating, especially something that seems so innocent with the movies out there today and the toys, you know, really do have an underlying energy. And I think that's what worries us a bit. And that brings us full circle to the guidance that we get have got from various of our guests in the past. 
one in particular that brings to mind was one who had four near-death experiences. And it's that kind of experience that we <coughs> need to draw on in terms of determining for ourselves what's really around the corner. Because a lot of this kind of thing, especially the big blockbuster movies, is designed to instill fear and fascinate us with fear. And when you know what's, uh, what death is and what death holds for us and what's on that other side, then the fear dissolves. And this, that was indeed the case from the various people that we've spoken to about near-death experiences was that there was absolutely nothing to fear there at all. But it's a good lead-in, Alana, to you know, our, real, our topic about ghosts, and we wanted to mention that briefly. This particular gentleman uh, that you're speaking of was actually a guest on our show. I'm going to name him Michael Murray. If anybody wants to go into the archives, he's an avid Course of Miracles teacher now. But what was important about his near-death experiences is he said that he did see the tunnel of light. Remember? Mm-hmm. He was afraid to go to it. Mm. <clears throat> he was afraid to go to it because he was afraid of God's judgment or what what he might find out about God or himself if he did go to the light. And I make this point because a lot of people think that when you die, everybody just automatically goes to the light. But the truth is, is some spirits do not go to the light for precisely those reasons. And this is when you you start to see ghostly apparitions and spirits that obviously are not at rest. So I'm, I'm mentioning this because, <clears throat> excuse me, my voice is just having a hard time today. I'm mentioning this because being in that house that we were in or close to that environment where a house has a history of haunting, um, obviously there is a whole dimension to spirit life after we die that is, is not happy. So even though the majority go to the light, they go through the tunnel, they go through the light, and that's when they have those blissful experiences, there's many spirits who, uh, for whatever reason, either get caught in between or they're fearful of, of what's going to happen if they go. So that i just mentioning that because, um, you know, this phenomenon is very real, and what I find interesting about it, though, Ananu, is that how many people um, prey on this type of haunting stuff, you know? Like, instead of being concerned about the spirits that are there that obviously have been doing this for a hundred years or more, you know, um, not at rest, hanging around their old home, um, and, and people pay money to go see them, and and yet there's no concern about the spirit whatsoever, the fact that it's lost or trapped. You know, I, I find that fascinating, too. Okay, let's take a very quick little break here, and we'll be right back after this. The Honest to God series with Anne Gail Rose and Ahanu. We have been speaking in the first half of our short program today about uh, children, ghosts, 
getting guidance. We talked a little bit about ourselves and uh, some past guests and so on. We'd like to move the conversation on to the subject of mediocrity. Now, this is coming up for us a lot. And in fact, we know from our students and from the feedback from our mailing list and our websites and so on, that it's up for a lot of people. And mediocrity takes many, many forms. It first came up for us when Engel Rose was in the Akashic Records and she said that Source was guiding us to step out of our mediocrity. And that, of course, takes many forms. It's like we've got to start asking more questions and we've got to start saying no to more stuff that is no longer serving us. And again, that also takes many forms, and I don't want to be blasé about it. This is deep stuff. But the very fact that we're, we go along with the status quo at all, on any level, whether it be your relationships, your, your business, your position in society, what our governments are doing, what our religions are doing, where we're at with anything, all needs to be questioned. I think we've got to really, really take our lives now at this point and turn them right upside down because that's the only way that's going to get us out of this sense of malaise and this sense of acceptance. You know, we spoke about how the, how our children are being guided. Some guided, of course, in the right directions, but others not so right. And the influence that we have on young people, but equally the influence that others have on us in all different areas and how that could be so wrong and how that has us murdering each other and, and slaughtering animals and eating and thinking it's all great. And, you know, this came home to me last night on our way home. We were driving down the coast of a short strip of the coast of California. Absolutely beautiful, setting sun washing waves along the shore, beautiful beaches, beautiful skyline, absolutely wonderful colors in the sky. But part of that drive takes us through a strip of nightclubs and, and, and bars and so on. And again, <coughs> entertainment is great, nothing wrong with it, but I'm trying to focus on where the consciousness of the people is at. And I'm talking about the mass consciousness of the people. Every one of us is a little representation of that mass consciousness. And it made me ask, well, what, what am I doing with my consciousness? How am I taking this and interpreting this? Am I to interpret this as being, oh, the world is going down the tubes in a handbasket? Or that the world is absolutely beautiful? On the right-hand side was the setting sun. On the left-hand side was a, a nightlife of... On the left side was the setting sun. On the, yeah, and uh, so it, it's like the polarity that we're finding ourselves in. On the one hand is this great potential and this great opportunity, and on the other hand is this potential for disaster and for demonic activity. And it's, it's really, this, this, this is up for us. This is up to make a choice. It's really, really up for us to make a choice about what we're going to do with it. As a Guinness man and a pub man, I, I bet this is a shock to you to actually be coming to a place where you're you're questioning the whole, you know, process of just going out and getting drunk and going out and uh, just 
you know, whatever your focus is, whether it's getting laid, getting drunk, getting, you know, taking drugs, whatever, you haven't taken drugs, but, you know, it must be a big consciousness shift for you. Well, it is from the point of view that I'm now aware of what we put in our bodies affects our psyche. And you can take a chemical that is a hallucinogenic and it'll alter. You can take a a, a drug and it'll change your body, it'll change your attitude. So equally, you know, if you look at where alcohol came from, now, I enjoy a drink from time to time. I'm talking about, you know, being aware. I'm talking about awareness here. If something changes your ability to, to reason, then it needs to be questioned or taken in moderation. And that's the really, really important point here. I mean, I come from Ireland where drink really is a, is a historical kind of a, an approach to life. But that, when you understand the history of oppression from various other countries, taking control and removing your belief systems, removing your culture, much like what's happened in the United States too, and in a lot of other countries around the world, people resort to easing the pain and relieving themselves of that, that pressure. And they do that through drink and drugs and various things. So when you know what the motivation is, then you begin to understand and accept that you don't really need this. You can actually face this with courage yourself without having to resort to some crutch or move into a, an altered state in order to deal with reality. That's really where I'm coming from. Yeah. So I, I can enjoy a glass of wine and a beer, no problem. But when you do it, it's the motivation. When you're doing it to change your circumstances or to, to, get, get, out of reality. to get out of reality or to pretend in some way that things are not the way they are or to think that in that altered state that you're in, it's better than pure consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, in a way, uh, I've been lucky that I actually got on a spiritual path as young as I did because by examining my consciousness through, through transformational writing and finding out so much of what was underneath the surface, and then, of course, if you get into the Course in Miracles, there's a lot of self-examination and actually goes along with that course as well because it teaches you just how murderous the ego self really is and it proves it. If you actually do what the Course says to do, it'll show it to you. And I'm, I've been lucky because it's made me appreciate the, the brain, actually, and the brain as a receptor for consciousness. And, you know, you need your brain working in order to um, be able to receive clearly. And the thing is, um, even now, because well, I mentioned earlier that I've done psychic work for most of my life, most of my adult life, I've done a lot of healing work. And then in somewhere in my 40s, mid-40s, um, I developed diabetes, type 2. Okay, now, the thing is, is I could go back and look at all the emotional causes for that, but the other part of that uh, is that there was a doctor back in the day who had done all this research on people who have who are psychics and people who do healing work, and a lot of them come down with 
particular illnesses or they find themselves in uh, adrenal exhaustion. And, and this is because we are using uh, a lot of energy, you know, in particular endocrine glands. So this is what's happened to me. You know, I've become uh, really, I call it spiritual exhaustion, or you heard me say I'm just exhausted. So I no longer do energy work because of that. But when we talk about mediocrity, which is what you're talking about today, and Source was talking to us about loving ourselves, and, you know, that loving yourself is much harder than loving others. Because it really does mean that you have to love all of you. And this, in a way, goes back to dogmas, too. And even I'll include the Course in this, because there are dogmas that teach you, you know, that the body is nothing to really pay attention to. It's just just a vehicle or uh, what's that horrible word a friend of ours uses. It's a container, container uh, for the spirit. I mean, talk about, you know, de-emotionalizing de- something that is a temple, actually, okay? That, you know, uh, the body is still made from spirit. It's still made from spirit. It's, uh, you know, whatever. It's a servant, okay, if you will. And it is honestly taking me quite a few years to understand that because, I've spent so many years developing spirituality that I wasn't bringing it down to include all things everywhere, okay? So when Source started talking to us about loving ourselves, you know, I made the choice to go to a naturopath. And this is one aspect I want to speak about today, too. You know, we have no insurance being self-employed, and um, this naturopath, even though she does take insurance, I don't have any. So every time I go, it's expensive. But I made the choice to love myself enough to go to the type of doctor that I knew could help me at a very natural, uh, holistic level and not fill me full of pharmaceuticals. I have to say, she's absolutely wonderful. And we just I just got a kit to be able to send to the lab to test all of my uh, glands. And why I mention this is because, you know, fundamentally the body is made in this dimension to be a receiver, uh, a sensory receiver actually, okay, for many levels of reality, many dimensional levels, everything from the physical, mundane, to the dirt, to the minerals, to the trees, to the plants, uh, to higher consciousness, and eventually to unlimited boundless consciousness where you're where all the perceived rules that seem to bind things together go out the window when your consciousness reaches a certain state and the thing is is you know to to destroy that okay is really part of the demonic plan for us to destroy those receivers restore you know destroy our bodies with junk and with drugs and alcohol and all sorts of things. And, you know, it does it by making us believe that we're worthless. And this brings up this mediocre thing that Source is talking to us about because it was really kind of telling us that until we really understand love, that love means treasuring and cherishing every, every morsel of life. 
on every single level. And, you know, you and your enemies, actually. Okay? But how it's playing out for me, since we've heard that info from Source, and we do our Sunday uh, group with the Akashic, and we go to Paradisers afterwards. But, you know, I'm noticing that I'm much more aware, moment by moment, of what's happening, what I'm choosing, if I'm, you know, things that I may be too tired to do, uh, where before I wouldn't do them. Um, little things, I'm saying, not huge things, but I'm finding that I'm in choice, you know, you're really aware that you're in choice that moment. And so I'm going to say nine times out of ten, I'm I'm choosing the extra thing, okay? And the other way this is playing out for me is even in my choices of food. Because because I have diabetes and uh, I am a sweet lover, I love sweets, and um you know, I was raised on pasta, okay? So now I, I don't eat any more grains or breads, really. And that was huge, okay? And I'm not always perfect with it. I'm starting to honor the fact that it made such a huge difference to not eat grains anymore in the way I feel in terms of better that even my mind's always constantly thinking, 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 you know, about food and the fact that What's changing is I'm finding how unsatisfying certain foods are that used to be satisfying, especially sweets. I mean, I, you know, my big thing was I, I made sure I always had a, some biscottis in the cupboards. Okay, in fact, we have biscottis in the cupboards because they're not as sweet as other, maybe another cookie or a roll that I'd have, but even they're too sweet now. So, so my, I'm changing. I'm becoming much more conscious of so many things. But it's little choices throughout the day, little actions that you take to love yourself when you when you know you're going to eat something that's not going to make you feel well. And we just do it because it tastes good or let's say we're feeling emotionally deprived at that moment. We go eat it and then we feel sick later. But on the other flip side of that, I also do believe there's a state of consciousness where you can have a wonderful sweet roll and it won't make you sick, okay? Because if you're doing it out of joy, you know? Um, And I actually think the reason people do get sick from grains is the pesticides and maybe not the grain itself or the fact that it's been genetically modified or it's carrying certain funguses. So I don't want to give grains a bad name. I think it's how they've been prepared these days that we're really reacting to. But having said that, Ahano, um, what are your thoughts about all that? This forum is really too short to actually develop these ideas and to present them in a in a really, really deep way that would benefit people to the best. So we're just touching the surface of them, really. We're just bouncing around a few things. We're in a casual, low-key conversation today, and we're touching on a lot of things and no doubt we'll have reaction and feedback from people that might take things out of context. That happens, too, all the time. And we don't want that to happen. We're basically saying, look, just just take some of these ideas, bounce them off your own self, see where they fit. If they don't fit, they don't fit. You reject them, you take them, and do with them what you will. This is a, a public service for entertainment purposes only. We don't diagnose or treat. We don't claim to be healers or anything like that. So this is 
And indeed, if you wanted to share your ideas on the air, we open the forum. We want you to call in. We want you to become a guest on our show. And let's make that announcement. If you do want to contact us and if you want to discuss your practice, your skills, your abilities, your mission, your message to the world, do contact us and you can get us on the air at 805 292-0349 or you can contact us privately at 224-588-8026 or that email address that I give out angelrose at angelrose.com I was just going to say something and now I lost my, my train of thought uh, with this on <laughs> okay we were talking about uh, mediocrity mediocrity oh okay I just wanted to extend it over a little bit and in, to the whole, you know, well, we were talking about self-love, really. And, you know, and even that, dogmatically, we've been told selfish, mm. to love yourself. You know, the love of self is selfish. But it actually isn't selfish when it's done in the right way. Mm. You know, that true love of self means you're including yourself along with everything else that you deserve to be respected and loved mm. and honored. And this plays itself in so many areas of your life from you know, what you do do with your diet to what you do with your relationships to what you do with your career. And um, and certainly, you know, I do many readings, as you know. And uh, I have to say uh, about women, we could have a whole conversation about women, okay? Women in relationships and what women accept in relationships. And, uh, you know, people who are, you know, everyone wants to be loved, ultimately. But what people accept in the name of love, saying it's love, uh, is, is really something else. And perhaps we should have a show, you know, about relationships themselves because I learned the hard way. You know, I've been married a few times. Uh, I've experienced different forms of abuse. Uh, not physical, thankfully, but certainly psychological and emotional. And I know how women think, and I know what they want. And the thing is, is I can tell lots of women who are, you know, just misinterpreting uh, what a man's after when they're when they're talking. And uh, you know, they'll accept it and give excuses. And you know, we will have a show about that, Hannah, because you being a man, you. You'd really help, but I, I want to flip over too to to just uh, how we treat other people because uh, we were recently at a wedding and we didn't you didn't get treated very well by certain people, and um, you know it was just the saddest thing to think that people are still at a consciousness level of that type of treatment, and it, in a way it's so barbaric and. Um, so there's a lot to talk about, really. And why we're mentioning this, because this is everyday decisions. I mean, this is everyday choices. I mean, it's a choice to to really judge a person and to not be nice um, and, and to shun somebody. I mean, all of those are choices. And the more awake you get, the more appalled you are, really, you know, at the fact that people still think that way and desire that, really, is what's interesting. This is really opening a can of worms, and we would love to have your input. So do get in touch with us. 
I did omit to mention that our sponsor is Diamond Sun Hosting, consciously hosting your spiritual website since 1993. Contact them at com. And if you wish to sponsor an episode or the full Honest to God series, contact us at NGLRose at NGLRose.com. Now, in the last few minutes, I'd like to squeeze in some announcements. Our Eight Steps to Freedom that we mentioned today is available at 8stepstofreedom.com. That is hyphenated as the number 8, hyphen steps, hyphen 2, hyphen freedom.com. Angel Rose's book, A Time of Change, is at atimeofchange.info. The Nature of Reality is at thenatureofreality.info. And remember that we have free group Akashic Records online every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific time. You can find out more information about that and sign up. It's free at worldofempowerment.com. That's all one word, worldofempowerment.com. Some of the archives are available on iTunes and CD Baby. Simply search for Angel Rose or Ahanu. That's A-H-O-N-U. Angel Rose is doing a psychic laser therapy for practitioners on July 13th and 14th. You'll get more information on that at angelrose.com. And I will be teaching a spirit art class in San Diego sometime in July. And I haven't posted information about that as yet, but I will let our listeners and our subscribers know about that in due course. Now, due to popular demand, Angel Rose will be teaching people how to read the Akashic Records in an exclusive one-off event that will take place in August or September. If you're interested, sign up at worldofempowerment.com. Now, uh, that's it, I think, for this week. Until next Saturday at 8 a.m. Pacific time, we send you our love, blessings, and thank you for listening to Ahanu and Angel Rose on the Honest to God series. And I'm going to say to you in my native language, Slán agus banacht de live galair. The Honest to God series with Anne Gail Rose and Ahanu.